0: Right there we go. Brian, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Man, yeah, no, it's it's awesome to finally have you. I know there were a couple of uh, bumps in the road on my end getting you on, but uh, finally glad to, to sit down and talk to you, um, especially so close to Election Day. This will come out uh, the day before Election Day. So, I mean, how are you feeling being on the ballot and having to go through this whole, uh, you know, this whole get out the vote phase of your campaign? What's that looking like on your end and, Uh, How are you feeling going into Election Day? Um,
1: I'm feeling pretty good. Um, You know, I get a notification every time somebody checks out my website. And uh, pretty much since early voting started, um, you know, early last week, my web page has been going crazy. So it's pretty much down to if uh, people like what I have to say, you know, my my stance on issues and my policy um, stances. And uh, if they like what I say, it's just a matter of them going out to vote.
0: Yeah, no, and what kind of activities do you have there on the ground trying to get that vote out? I know you mentioned before we started recording, you know, you're, you're working on getting volunteers out. You know, I saw on Twitter that you were making uh, signs to get out in the district. I mean, what are some of the things that that you're doing in these final days here that you think are really gonna gonna be the difference maker? So these
1: final days, um, well, pretty much door knockings all wrapped up um, because what was happening was. Uh, we, we would go door knocking and people would have either have voted um, mm-hmm. either mail in. Um, and then now that early voting has wrapped up a lot more people have voted. So we really haven't been, and when I say we, I mean uh, me and the gentleman who's running for uh, state delegate in my district, uh, good friend, Travis Lerl, um, You know, we've kind of found that door knocking at this point isn't very advantageous. So we've just been trying to go out there during the early voting period, uh, you know, let people know that we're out there. Um, been trying my best with social media just to to get people to go out and vote. Um, you know, it's getting. You know, Tuesday is election day, so I'm starting to get um, more phone calls and emails just from constituents who are interested. They have certain questions. Um, some of them can just be uh, one single policy stance. Some are. Longer than most questionnaires I've gotten through the entire campaign, um, but it's really just trying to reach out to people and when people reach out to me, making sure I uh, I get back to them in a timely fashion. Um, at this point, there's not a whole lot I can do other than beg and plea on uh, social media, um, so I'm hoping that those uh, those pleas don't
0: fall on deaf ears. Right, yeah, it really seems like now we're all kind of just waiting for Tuesday to to actually get here. You know, we've been hearing about it ad nauseum for for over a year at this point. I feel like everyone's just kind of ready to to see how it goes, and you know, well, hop right into twenty twenty four because it seems like campaign season never really, it never actually ends. It just is just one continuous stretch of campaigning and. Now, um, now is this your first time running for office or have you, have you run for office before? Yeah, this
1: is my first time running for office. So, uh, it's been quite the experience.
0: Oh, I bet it has man. What, what, what made you want to hop into the race this time around?
1: Um, so actually I was originally going into it just as a paper candidate, just to have more libertarians on the ballot for our district. Mm. Um, and then, um, the Democrat actually dropped out of the race. So, uh, talking to my state party chair and a couple other people, they kind of convinced me and I kind of convinced myself that, you know what, I'm just going to do this thing, you know, for real, I'm actually going to run a campaign. Um, you know, there, there's not much loss out of it. Um, you know, just some money, but you know, money is money. It comes and it goes. So really it was a good experience for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm already involved in politics, um, um I'm, I'm chair of the Anne Arundel County Libertarians which is the mm-hmm. county that my district is in
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and you know f- for legal reasons we are a subcommittee not an actual committee so I can legally run for office just putting that out there um so I'm already involved in politics I'm already talking to people that we don't agree with on every issue but I bring in speakers to our meetings our monthly meetings that we agree with at least on one thing so it kind of pushes that um single issue coalition kind of narrative every month as it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's been, it's been cool to put my own spin on things, not speaking for a party, but speaking for myself, you know, if you know what I'm saying. Um, And I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've been in, in, that's the whole, the whole thing about this was I want to make sure that I'm having fun. If I'm not having fun, then the way that I see it is, is I've lost. So that's, I've been trying to stay positive, not letting it get me down, Um, you know, throughout this whole process, I've always put my family first, Um, um, you know, my son, up until this past week, kind of, it's really crunch time now, Uh, my son and I kind of had a heart to heart last night, he's only four, Uh, you know, he's like, hey, like, you know, we're not spending that much time together these past, you know, week or so, and I was like, look, dude, I'm trying to win this thing, and I know how much you like to win stuff. And you know that you have to try really hard to win. So I'm right. just trying to win. And and he got it for a four-year-old. He he understood. But uh, he's ready for election day to be over so I can start uh, hanging out with him more in
0: the evenings. Oh, yeah, I bet, man. I mean, that's, you know, it's a, it's a big sacrifice to make running for office. You know, it's it's going to take up, you know, a lot of your time and your energy. And, you know, that, that means, you know, spending less time with family and friends and and everything like that. It's one one of the many challenges of, of running for office. Uh, what 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 are some things that you think you've learned um, from hopping into the arena and running for office? You know, any any big revelations from this this experience? Looking back.
1: Yeah, the biggest one that I've I've taken from this is um, the need for volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of work and I'm not even running for a county wide seat. I'm not running for a statewide seat. Um, and it's, it's been hard to just do it kind of not all by yourself, but kind of mostly by yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a solid core of volunteers that come, it's the same people all the time that come out. Um, and you know, I got, I got into it late. I didn't really, I didn't file until, uh, May of this year is when I finally got all my paperwork in. So I got a really late start. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the importance of starting early um, is felt at this point. Um, I wish I would have started four years ago, per- like honestly. and uh, wow. So that's the biggest take is starting early and having volunteers. The sooner you start, the more money you can raise, the more volunteers you can get to help you. And the more you're out there, and your name is out there. So, uh, you know, hopefully, I do win. But if I don't win, I my campaign isn't going to stop. Uh, come come after the new year. Once I spend some more time with family, go through the holidays. We have a vacation planned. Uh, I'm I'm going back on the campaign trail. Um, I'm keeping my committee open. I'm keeping my domain, my website, and uh, and then I'm going to be vying. You know getting the Libertarian Party endorsement again right off the bat so I can be the Libertarian candidate for the next four years and uh, do it again.
0: You, you think you'll run for state Senate again? Or are you looking at different offices? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to do state Senate again. Um, the county council seat in my district is, is pretty well held up. And that seat would open only if a referendum to the county um county board gets changed tuesday so mm-hmm. that would be up in the air and kind of a risk to take because if it ends up passing that the county council can stay for another uh term then there's no chance in hell that i would win that race so uh <clears throat> yeah i'm going to stick with state senate I already have the committee name I already have signage uh all that good stuff And just you know As libertarians, we are, you know, we're fiscally responsible people. So fiscally, Mm -hmm. that makes the most sense to run for state Senate again. Um, Between name recognition, signage, graphics, literature, all that kind of stuff, I can almost repurpose it. Just, you know, kind of change the wording depending on how uh, the legislature goes over the past four years or the next four years
0: right yeah no that's a really good point it would be It yeah i mean the way you say it you know it just makes sense to to try for that office again uh now you said you said the democratic opponent uh, in your race dropped out and that was one of the things that uh, i saw about your race that was uh that was pretty interesting i mean is there a particular reason why they dropped out or i mean is there any any more story there or, Yeah, how you know does the partisan makeup of the district affect that at all? I mean, what 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 was the reasoning there that
1: they dropped? Well, I I think a big part of it, honestly, is how red our district is. Um, Every year, the Democrat in this race gets smacked. It's Mm -hmm. it's not even close. Um, We're a very red district. I grew up here. I know I know the people around here, and it people are red, but a lot of the time it's only because that's their only choice. If that makes sense, Uh, a libertarian party or a candidate hasn't been in their face enough to say, you know what? I like this better because I know people here and I know that we, a lot of people in this area are libertarians. They just Mm -hmm. want to be left alone. They don't want to hurt people. Don't want to take their stuff, but they want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Uh, So if nothing else, you know, Hoping I win, I, I want to win. I've been trying to win, but if I don't, I feel like you know the Libertarian Party has a much better chance in my district than the Democratic Party does. Um, you know, besides whatever personal reasons the the Democratic candidate dropped out, I don't know, and I don't want to speak on or
0: mm-hmm.
1: hypothesize why he dropped out. But right. if I had to guess, a good part of it was just knowing that he was just going to get smacked. Um, and honestly, I have a better chance. Um, in this district than a Democrat does, because I can appeal to, and this is what I've noticed. I've appealed to moderate Democrats and I've appealed to hate to say it, but MAGA Republicans, um, a lot of the Dan Cox, who's the Trump endorsed, uh, governor candidate. Um, a lot of people who are Cox supporters are my supporters. They, the guy is running for reelection, the incumbent of 16 years, is an establishment Republican, and a lot of people in this area who are Trump supporters or, or Dan Cox supporters um, are are tired of the establishment Republicans. So I've kind of it's been a very weird line to walk, where I'm appealing to moderate Democrats and MAGA Republicans, and uh, I think I've done a pretty good job of it so far. You know, there's there's always going to be disagreements with a candidate, but. I've been relatively agreeable to both of those, uh, both of those groups of people. So it's it's been very interesting, you know. It's as libertarians, you know, we we're for you know gay marriage and adults to you know transition and and all that stuff, and then we're also you know staunchly pro guns and and all that stuff that the rhinos will kind of step back on like, okay, well, let's ban ghost guns, right? Well, a lot of MAGA people uh, aren't for banning ghost guns. So it's been a very weird, but fun and, and quirky line to walk. And I feel like I've been walking it pretty well.
0: Yeah, well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of people who live in places like that, like you said, just want to be left alone. They just want the government to stay out of their business. I also feel like a lot of those people just vote Republican because a lot of times they, they don't have any other choice. And, you know, they, they see the Republicans as the, you know, the, the most pro freedom candidate between the two and, you know, someone in your position, you know, running in a, in a conservative district against an incumbent like that, you know, it really does seem like there's a pathway for you to build that coalition, uh, and, and win. um, can you, can you tell me a little bit about your opponent, you know, why, why you decided to run against him, you know, why, why you would make uh, a better state senator than, than him?
1: Yeah, so um, my candidate, first off, he's been in office for 16 years. Um, in 2008, I believe, he signed uh, a pledge for congressional term limits. Mm -hmm. And which is very hypocritical in the fact that he signed, you know, a a pledge for congressional term limits, but has been in office himself for 16 years and is going for another four. Um, That's that's the big one for me. Right. And and having lived here my whole life through my entire life, minus four years, I lived in South Baltimore. um, I was born and raised here and now I have you know, I'm raising my own family here. And I, I couldn't tell you a single thing that he's done. Um, in fact, uh, I had a meeting with him when I first filed because he was trying to get a feel for how serious I was. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't even name three things that he's done, right? His his resume since being in office is just a lot of fluff. Um, he's House Minority Leader, or Senate Minority Leader, sorry. Um, he's won a bunch of a a whole slew of committees. Um, And if he's on those committees, then he's either bending over and just letting the the Democrats have their way with him, Mm -hmm. or he's not actually putting himself and trying to argue his point because it never, nothing, nothing conservative ever comes out of our legislature. So, and then talking to people now, you know, talking to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, may, may even be thousands of people at this point, nobody likes the guy. Um, he, he's not out there. Um, he just skates off of him being the Republican, you know, people have seen him on their ballot since I was a freshman in high school. Um, and you know, people don't even realize that he's been in office for 16 years. And that's usually the, the first line I open with. And that's usually all I talk bad about the guy is that he's been on off in office for 16 years. And people were like, Oh, well, well he needs to get out. So that it's really come down to his, the amount of time that he's been in an office and how little uh, he's done for the community. And then talking to business owners and things like that, they've asked him to do certain things just to kind of help, you know, with kind of basic stuff, you know, traffic uh, calming, you know, uh, like lights and things like that. Um, cause we've, have developed a lot over the 16 years in this area. And, uh, and he, he does, he doesn't do it. He, he's just trying to fluff his resume. He likes that extra, you know, 50 grand a, a year on top of his already large salary because we work for the same company. So I roundabout know how much money he makes. Oh, um, wow. Uh, so it's, it's just the principle of it all. Really personally, I don't have anything against the guy, um, except, that uh, he did send his one of his daughters to a, a pray the gay way camp, which has been scientifically proven to be ineffective. and in that, you know, people are are born a certain way; they just become right. that way, and you can't change that. But he ignored, you know, those those scientists and, and that proof that's out there, and, and sent his daughter to that that pray the gay way camp anyway um that's that's just what I like to call it there's no other really good name for it no um, so personally that's really the only thing I have to say against him um but just the amount of time he's been in office it's, it's pretty ridiculous
0: yeah I mean it definitely sounds like the district is due for a little a little shake up especially if he's not really doing anything doing anything in office or you know his own constituents don't even really know you know what he's done for him I mean definitely sounds like um, y'all need a change. Now, you know, you're, you're running for office in this cycle, you're, you're chair of the County party there. I'm curious to know, like how you first got involved with politics. Have you always been political? You know, where, where did that sort of come from? How did you kind of first take that, you know, that first step in the door there? Um, so I've always been,
1: I, I've always had a healthy, uh, questioning of the government um -hmm. since a a young age since you know really as early as i can remember as far as being conscious about this this kind of thing um i remember talking to my dad about politics you know governors ago of asking him why he thinks this governor is good and not knowing why just you know just trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. um and then uh i guess the first time at least that i can think of or, or remember where i was kind of really pushing a libertarian mindset without knowing that I was, was when, um, the real ID came out in Maryland and I wasn't even driving yet. Um, and I I remember sitting, sitting there talking to my dad saying, you know, why, why does the federal government need to put us on a federal list? I'm not okay with that. And it kind of just snowballed from there. Um, uh, just healthy questioning of of everything um, of what the facts that the government puts out during certain events, um, you know, doing my own research throughout the years. Uh, I registered libertarian in 2013. um, And that was mostly for just, just the pro pro marijuana kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked at the green party for a while, but it wasn't, it wasn't a right fit for me. And then uh, really, it was COVID that kind of made me get involved with the party. Um, I really wanted to highlight, uh, kind of an agorist, uh, lifestyle for libertarians. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, counter economics and, uh, you know, being, being peaceful in your kind of anarchist views. And, uh, I didn't even know that, the Rona County libertarians had monthly meetings and i just found them on facebook and was like look we need to get together we need to talk about like you know agorist things and, and living a libertarian lifestyle and then uh they were like oh well we have monthly meetings and uh it's it's kind of just snowballed from there um obviously being a candidate i i can't you know spew all my kind of agorist feelings towards things mm-hmm. um, i recognize that we're not just going to get to that agorist or Anarcho-capitalist society overnight—that we have to slowly, slowly, uh, you know, roll back the state, as Dave Smith likes to say—and uh, it, it's a truth to that. You can't—you're not going to—you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, so we have to take it slow. Be patient, um, and uh, yeah, the, and actually, another reason I got involved was I—I uh, I had a 45-minute phone conversation one night with uh, a state delegate in my district, and it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, you know what, I'm getting involved because this Republican party sucks. They just, it's the same people in office. And, uh, so, you know, it was a, a mixture of all of those things that made me get involved. And, uh, thankfully I have a supportive wife that lets me, <laughs> lets me do this crazy stuff and then spend a lot of time doing this stuff. Um, cause she recognizes what the libertarian party is trying to do. And, uh, how much effort it takes. And, and it's, you know, it's trying to like break out of a jail cell with a spoon. You just got to take little bits out of a time and and it takes a lot of patience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it definitely has to be, to be incremental. You know, you have to take it slow. It's, it's definitely a marathon, you know, not a sprint and, and having a, and, and, you know, if you're wanting to run for office, having a supportive wife behind you, supporting your endeavors, I would say is probably crucial you know, uh, a big necessity there. Um, Oh yeah. Big
1: thing, big thing that I always preach to everybody that, you know, volunteers and in, in, is involved is family first. You know what I mean? If, if the family's not right at home, then you can't do your best work out here. So keep your family good, keep your family straight, keep your family happy, and then come to us or come back to us when you can.
0: Oh yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. You know, just kind of as we're, winding down here, I want to get into kind of some of the issues that you're running on. You know, what would, what would you say are some of the, the big issues, maybe the three biggest issues that you're prioritizing, uh, in your campaign?
1: Uh, the three biggest ones, there's, there's more than this, but the the three big ones, and this is kind of what's on, uh, my literature that I, I, I hand out to people and stuff. Um, the first one is, uh, abolish the gas tax. Mm -hmm. Um, right now in Maryland, we have a 46 cent per gallon gas tax. Um, and what had happened? Well, yeah, it's, it's really, really bad. And what had happened was the Democrats, um, I can't even remember how long it was. It was a long time ago. Um, essentially tied the increase in gas tax to inflation. So whatever the inflationary measures are of the state economy, um, every year, uh, around in springtime pretty much is what they determined the increase of gas tax so it went from 34 cents uh, last year now it's up to 46 cents um my second one is uh, is gun rights uh, in the beginning of my campaign I wanted Maryland to become a shout issue state um, thanks to the Supreme Court um, and all those great minds there they pretty much made every state a shall, a shall issue state so i had to kind of reword my stance on that and uh go for more of a constitutional carry state which is ultimately what i wanted anyway i was just able to to say that sooner than i wanted to um and then the third thing which um kind of sounds small but when you when you think about it and the repercussions that come from it is pretty large is uh I want to get rid of vehicle re-registration in our state. Not just not the original registration. Granted that would be ideal, but once you purchase a vehicle, you don't have to pay for registration fees every year or two years, um, just to get a little sticker in your tag so you don't get pulled over. Mm. And it has, it's has its inconveniences that if it were to go away, it would be more convenient for people, less people, less money coming out of people's pockets. Um, and the way that we could get away with that was not allowing the legislature or the governor to dip into the transportation fund, uh, for general funds or, or projects or pet projects of certain, you know, legislatures, uh, legislators. And, uh, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's if this can, if this could pass, right. And we can still have the same shitty roads that we already have because our roads are pretty shitty. And, I've
0: heard. I've never, never um, been, but I have heard.
1: Yeah, the, road, the roads in Maryland are horrible, um, and you know every every single bridge. If you go over a body of water, there's a toll. So we're already paying more to get to where we need to go. But if we can do this and do it successfully by not allowing the the transportation fund to get pillaged every year, then we can go further than that. We can get rid of more fees, more licensure, more permits, things that don't benefit anybody that are just, uh, you know, cover the administrative costs for these types of things. Um, <clears throat> the way that I see it is like the DMV in Maryland, it's called the MVA. As far as I'm concerned, it's a welfare program. It, it, they're welfare jobs. They, they're not necessary. It's not something that, you know, you couldn't, a couple people couldn't put this information into a database and have it there. You don't need thousands of people doing these nonsensical jobs because it costs so much money to keep these people employed. Right. That you know, we can put in this information. We could do it ourselves online. Go to the MVA website and put this information, our VIN number, our our tag number, you know, all this stuff, put it in ourselves and then there it is. It's just in a database and it can be referenced by, you know, police or, or whoever might need to access that information. Um, So that's why I'm really pushing the vehicle re-registration thing on the surface. A lot of people like it. Um, And then, you know, when I start talking about it more, like I just have, then people are like, Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. It's a long game. Like we were saying, it's incrementally taking the power away from the state and putting it back in your hands.
0: Right. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually, is, um, you know, how, how uh, do these issues that you're talking about resonate with people in your district? Because it seems like, you know, the voter base there would be interested in, you know, a libertarian type candidate. Are they responding well to those issues when you when you talk about them? They are Um, the. The vehicle
1: re-registration, I've gotten pushback from one person that I've talked to um, because uh, of our med- medevac helicopter that we have in the state of Maryland. They're like, well, how are you going to pay for the medevac? You know, it's one of the best in the country. I'm like, well, every other state has medevac helicopters for the most part, and they do it without, you know, having vehicle re-registration fees like a – like Virginia, they have a lot more lax registration fees and, uh, and Maine. Um, But let's, let's, let's think about this critically, right? Who, who gets benefit from these patients going to these hospitals? It's the hospitals. So why not have the hospitals pay their fair share into this program? If they want, if Johns Hopkins wants, you know, a, a, a critically injured person to come to their hospital because ultimately this sounds horrible, but it's a, it is a business that's more money going to Johns Hopkins. So why aren't they paying into the system? And if the system is so good and you support it, then why not voluntarily pay into the system? Why, why are we being forced to pay into the system? Um, so but other than that, kind of that one argument, that's the only argument that I've gotten about vehicle re-registration. People, people love it. Like, these are like common sense things that people do not want to deal with. Life is hard enough. It's, it, you know, we don't need the state making it even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, being kind of the way that Maryland is, uh, I've only been to one public forum this entire campaign. Uh, and it's not just because I'm a libertarian. It's just how people are kind of more interested in the bigger offices than the sm- more smaller local offices, which is a whole separate issue in itself. Right. Um, but when I brought these these three issues up in my in my speech, you know, people were that's they. Actually, when I said the vehicle re registration, the entire audience of about 150, except minus a couple of people that were, you know, kind of hardcore Democrats that like paying taxes, are, uh, it was a, a, a audible sigh of relief from the whole crowd. And, and one woman even like put her hands up and, you know, looked up and said, Thank God, like somebody's like kind of starting to think about this thing. So it's been a really positive, uh, you know, the reinforcement from people that I've talked to that agree with this. And when you, when you can say that, you know, you have a, a way to do it now, you're not just saying it, but you actually have a way that it can happen. Then people are sold.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes sense. Um, I, kinda, I, I do want to wind down here a little bit. I know uh, we've got to wrap up here uh, kind of soon anyway but i had i had one other thing that i wanted to ask you about um i was looking at your uh website bio just reading on it trying to get a little information about you and uh one of the things that it says among other things is is that you enjoy being a chicken tender something along those lines you know something like that i can't remember the exact uh phrase but what what exactly does that mean it stuck out to me uh Made made me laugh a little. What what exactly does that mean?
1: So, uh, if anybody who knows me knows how much I love my chickens, <laughs> um, it's it turned into a big passion of mine. Not just because you know getting eggs from it, right? It's right. it because what what ends up happening with chickens is one there's a a government regulation aspect of it that you can choose you're not supposed to, but you can choose to disregard. Um, You're in my area. If you have less than an acre of land, you're supposed to get a permit from the County that goes through the state department of agriculture. Um, Mm -hmm. And they, they tell you depending on how many chickens you have, how big your coop has to be, where your coop has to be, uh, you know, in relation to property lines and dwellings. And then the other side of it is, kind of going back to that libertarian lifestyle, minus the politics, um, you know, being self sufficient, um, you know, kind of allowing, allowing yourself to become one with the land is, is a big part of me. Um, I used to be a chef and Mm -hmm. I, I worked for a a few really good restaurants that were, you know. farm to table so you you talk to these farmers and you and you start to learn of their relationship that they have with the land that they're farming and how important it is to have that relationship and um that's kind of that's what i mean by being a chicken tender um i do tend my chickens um uh, <laughs> but it's also kind of a whole encompassing uh kind of a, a good epitome for libertarianism is kind of the way that i can put it um it's being conscious of of the earth that you're on it's being um self-sufficient and reliant in at least one aspect right i don't have to pay five dollars a dozen for eggs anymore um and it it's great for my kid. It teaches responsibility. They're fun. I mean, in the weekends, me and my wife would just sit out on the deck with our cup of coffee and watch our chickens. We don't need to feel the need to read a newspaper or look at our phones. We can kind of just escape for a couple of minutes and just watch our chickens just be silly and scratching around. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really one of my passions of mine outside of politics. Um, if you go to, uh, you know, a couple like if you go my like clubhouse profile, let's say, um, it's it's print guns and raise chickens. You no, know, that is being a libertarian. Um, it doesn't matter if if you choose to vote or not. It's living that libertarian lifestyle, and and doing what you know is best for you. And as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, impede somebody else's freedoms, um, or you know, require you to take their stuff, then do it right so that's why um, I'm a big advocate of chickens um, I will plan on working with uh, the county council if elected to try to get rid of those restrictions because I am the perfect example of having everything you're not supposed to in a quarter acre of land I have uh, I have 12 chickens two of them are roosters you know uh, and it's not it's not because I don't like my neighbors because I like my neighbors. And I talked to them before I got chickens. That's who I was concerned about. I didn't care what the County had to say. I just didn't want to piss off my neighbors. So, right. so all my immediate neighbors said, Hey, I think I'm not getting chickens. Like, are you okay with that? And everybody's perfectly okay with it. So I got chickens and to the point where my neighbors enjoy my chickens, um, even my roosters that, you know, crow their heads off all day. It's, right. it's kind of, we don't we don't see that in the suburbs enough, but the suburbs are perfectly uh, uh, adapted to having chickens and having small livestock
0: in your backyard. Yeah, that is awesome, man. That it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's definitely something you don't see out in the suburbs that it would be really cool uh, to see more of. Well, just in this, you know, final bit of time we have here, man, you know, I've, I've really appreciated you coming on the show. It's been awesome to, to finally get to talk to you. I want you to be able to use this, you know, last couple minutes or so just however long to shout out anything you want to shout at website, social media handles, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, um, website is, it's, I, I wish I would have thought this a little through, through, a little bit better when I was making it, but um. Uh, website is uh, Kankoski the number four Senate dot com. So that's K U uh, N K O S K I the number four Senate dot com. Um, Facebook is Facebook.com slash B-K, the number two F-O-R Senate. Um, Twitter is also the same B-K, the number two F-O-R Senate. Um, I have a TikTok. I don't really use it. I, I it seemed it was too much work, right? I thought it would be like a, like Vine back in the day where, you know, you just kind of Hold the button down, say something, let it go, and then when you're ready to record again. It, it, I didn't. I don't like TikTok, but I do have a TikTok. Um, I do plan on using it more in the future, especially if I don't win, um, because a lot of the young people like it. And I say that like I'm an old person, but I'm just old enough to not really get down with TikTok too much.
0: Oh, no, I understand. Um, I'm in that same boat.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's I. I don't really get it. Um, but yeah, so you know. If I don't win, or if I do win, check out all those all those things, right? Um, I don't know the legalities of like my Facebook page if I were to get elected. If I have to change it and you know make it so that I'm not a candidate, eh. so it, that could change in the future. But if I don't win, uh, all those things are staying up, and I'm going to continue to use those platforms to campaign over the next four years, so that when um, the gubernatorial midterm elections come up again. I'm I'm ready and I have everything in place that I have in place now. So it's not too late to like my page, share my stuff. Uh, it's really, I'm going to take a break from from social media for a while after the elections are done, but I'll be back and uh, just give it a like, follow uh, the algorithms. Even if you don't live in my area, the algorithms, really prefer you have more followers than not, um, regardless of the area. So uh, I'd really appreciate people just just doing that silly social media stuff. Even if you never interact, just liking the page is a big help.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go check out Brian on all of his social media. Uh, Wishing you good luck on Election Day. I really hope it goes your way. I'll be rooting for you. Uh, from down here in Tennessee. Really looking forward to see how that turns out, man. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. I I really do appreciate it. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. This has been nice. All right, have a good one. You too.